afternoon. Uh, thank you for joining me today for the 2022-23 Mid-Year Fiscal Update and Economic Statement. This update once again shows that Alberta continues to have economic momentum despite global uncertainty with a projected surplus of $12.3 billion and debt repayment of $13.4 billion. I'll provide some more details on the surplus in a moment, but there are other indicators that demonstrate the positive results we're seeing as we deliver on our economic priorities. For example, our job numbers. While we represent about 12% of the country's population, we're responsible for more than one quarter of the new jobs created in Canada this year. We've gained close to 80,000 new jobs in our communities, most of them in the private sector. Alberta continues to attract people from other provinces and abroad. We had the highest population growth amongst the four largest provinces in the first half of the year. Alberta's economy is rapidly diversifying with recent major investment announcements in sectors such as aviation, technology, finance, and other emerging industries. For example, de Havilland announced a new aircraft manufacturing plant near Calgary, and it will eventually employ upwards of 1,500 people. In the first half of the year alone, Alberta saw 56 deals worth $481 million in venture capital investment. And the province's agri-food sector has attracted nearly $1.5 billion in new investment and has created close to 3,000 jobs in Alberta since 2019. These successes are solidifying Alberta's position as the economic engine of Canada. Our principled approach to paying down the provincial debt and building our savings increases fiscal capacity and positions our province to better weather a potential future global recession. Challenges are ahead, but we're leaving no one behind. In delivering responsible fiscal management, we're able to provide significant help to Albertans and their families to keep more money in their pockets for groceries, gas, utilities, and other rising costs of day-to-day -day living. As I mentioned, our fiscal situation has improved substantially since Budget 2022. Total provincial revenue forecast for this fiscal year is now expected to total $76.9 billion. That's up $1 billion from our Q1 forecast, but a full $14.3 billion more than at Budget 2022. With improved earnings and a growing economy, we continue to bring in more revenue from corporate income taxes as business grow in nearly all sectors. And even though we will collect less in personal income taxes since we're indexing the system to inflation retroactive to 2022, we expect to collect more income taxes over the longer term as more people choose Alberta as the best place to work, build a home, and raise their family. Saving Albertans billions of dollars in taxes today will help build our growing economy tomorrow. Revenue from non-renewable resources continues to exceed expectations as oil prices average just below $100 U.S. per barrel through the first six months of the year and as the global demand for oil remained high. We now forecast revenue from bitumen royalties and other non-renewable resources at $28.1 billion this year. Looking to the future, even as oil prices and demand softens, we're, at, we're estimating non-renewable resource revenue at $19.2 billion next year and $16 billion in 24-25. While lower than this year's record high, it's still significantly higher than our original budget estimates in Budget 2022. Alberta is and remains an energy powerhouse, and energy is Alberta's superpower. 
The energy sector continues to be among the most productive, responsible, and highest paid industries in Canada and should be part of the solution to the world's energy crisis. It also helps drive diversification and growth in many other sectors and will continue to be foundational to Alberta's economy and the economy of the nation. We've also adjusted our forecasted price for West Texas Intermediate. We're now basing our mid-year projections on an average price for WTI of $91.50 U.S. per barrel, only slightly lower, $1 lower, than the $92.50 we assumed at the first quarter, but still well above February's budget estimate. We forecast the price of oil will drop to $78.50 U.S. dollars per barrel in 23-24 and down again in 24-25 to $73.50 per barrel. While these estimates are higher than what we forecast at budget, volatility in the market is extreme. And that's why we must continue to make smart, responsible budgetary choices. We must deliver efficient and effective public services and programs in a highly volatile commodity environment. On the expense side, total expense in 22-23 is now forecast at $64.6 billion, or $1.9 billion higher than at first quarter. <clears throat> We continue to keep a steady hand on spending, but have adjusted funding to support some key initiatives, including $300 million for electricity rebates so far, with the Premier announcing the rebate program is, of course, being expanded. $12 million for humanitarian aid to Ukraine. $50 million for judicial compensation to support lawyers at legal aid and to provide more support for victims. Another $340 million will help us meet new agreements with doctors and other health care workers and to support other health initiatives on homelessness and primary care nursing. And another $64 million for education will support the new teachers' agreement and help school authorities pay for bus fuel. Our projected surplus this year is $12.3 billion, adjusted slightly down compared to the $13.2 billion estimated at first quarter. Going forward... We're projecting a surplus of $5.6 billion for 23-24 and $5.3 billion in 24-25. Even so, our priorities remain the same. Reduce the debt, save for the future, and help Albertans struggling with rising costs due to inflation. We must maintain balance and strengthen the province's finances, and not to fuel inflation with excessive spending that can't be sustained in the long term. We must use the surplus wisely to, to benefit Albertans both today and into the future. To that end, as the Premier announced in her State of the Province speech this past Tuesday, we're committing to more affordability measures to help Albertans struggling with rising inflation, supported by an additional $2.8 billion in new funding over three years. The Premier spoke of indexing social support programs, payments for each child and most seniors, making permanent the fuel tax suspension program, and more. My colleague Matt Jones, the new Minister of Affordability and Utilities, is leading the charge on the new package of real relief measures to help all Albertans, but especially targeting seniors, families, and people on social support programs. Minister Jeremy Nixon announced the first of these measures yesterday as the government provides more support to food banks to help people meet their basic needs. More details on these announcements will be coming soon. We've already suspended fuel taxes and provided electricity rebates, and we're committed to natural gas price protection for consumers. If prices spike, consumers will receive rebates, and we're committed to affordable childcare. 
and it won't stop there. $1.3 billion in support this year and another $1.2 billion next year and $300 million the following year will help Albertans weather the inflation crisis. We also continue to remain committed to paying down Alberta's debt. We're putting $13.4 billion towards the debt this fiscal year, bringing taxpayer-supported debt down to $79.8 billion from $93.1 billion at the end of 21-22. Moving forward, we will carefully consider how an additional $10.8 billion over the next three years will pay down the debt and boost our savings. We must strike the right balance between saving, spending wisely, and using cash to pay down debt as it matures. Otherwise, the province may need to borrow more money at higher interest rates to deal with the maturing debt. And of course, that would mean higher debt servicing costs on the shoulders of Albertans. I also look forward as President of Treasury Board and Minister of Finance to working with my Cabinet and caucus colleagues to develop a new uh, fiscal framework and surplus strategy to serve Albertans. This framework will ensure responsible fiscal management and stability and will consist of debt reduction, savings, and infrastructure considerations. This work builds on the three fiscal anchors we set in 2019. First, we commit to a balanced budget, ensuring we're no longer borrowing from future generations. Second, we will continue to reduce our debt load, helping us to meet our commitment to keep Alberta's net debt to GDP ratio below 30%. Our ratio will be about 9.9% by March 31, 2023, well below all other provinces. Friends, Alberta has the strongest balance sheet today of any province. And third, we are successfully bringing our spending levels in line with other provinces. And by keeping our spending in check, we will ensure our programs and top quality services are sustainable for future generations. I know many of you remain worried about your economic situation. I share your concerns. Stubbornly high inflation continues to put pressure on our wallets and bank accounts. And while living in Alberta is more affordable than most other provinces, many challenges remain. Persistently high inflation, aggressive interest rate hikes, and ongoing geopolitical uncertainty are weighing on the global economic environment. But we remain well positioned to weather any economic challenges that come our way. Activity in our energy sector remains strong. We've seen significant growth in non-energy business output, which has boosted export revenues. Investors continue to move forward on exciting new capital projects. Our labour market is robust, and Alberta's housing market is faring much better than the rest of the nation. Our government is doing everything we can to make your lives more affordable, to create more jobs with good wages, and to attract investment that will build and sustain growth in Alberta. We will continue to make strong fiscal choices so that every Albertan can take part in Alberta's economic momentum and find security and benefit in our economic prosperity. Thank you very much, and I'm pleased to take a few questions. Uh, we will now go to the media Q&A. Um, we'll do the format of one question, one follow-up. We'll start with those in the room, and then we have a number of people on the line. Before you begin your question, please identify yourself, your name, and outlet. With that, we'll start with the first question here at the mic. Thanks, Kelly. Hi, Minister. It's good to see you. Uh, Kelly Kreiderman, The Globe and Mail. Um, so the total expenses increased $2.5 billion from budget, with half of that going to additional inflation relief measures. 
It also seems we're cutting the payment amount to the Heritage Fund. It seems a nearly a tit-for-tat. Is that what has happened here? Is, is the extra money going into the Heritage, Heritage Savings Trust Fund, has that been put off to help Albertans with inflation? Uh, no, uh, it has not. We're, we're reporting a very significant surplus. Over the last two fiscal years, we've generated approximately $19 billion in free cash flow. Of the $19 billion, we're going to be setting aside, uh, while well, we're paying down debt in this current fiscal year, to the tune of $13.4 billion. And we're setting aside $5.8 billion to, for future considerations. Again, debt retirement for future years as debt matures and savings considerations. And we're, uh, we're holding our options open because we're committed to developing a transparent uh, fiscal framework uh, to, move for, uh, to go forward into the future, that, a framework that can govern our use of surpluses. One thing, uh, if you'll recall, way back in Budget 2022, I uh, made the commitment that the first thing we would do with any surplus would be to ensure that we're not robbing the Heritage Savings Trust Fund of its earnings. Uh, this, th these projections reflect that commitment. All the earnings from the Heritage Savings Trust Fund are categorically reinvested in that trust fund in these projections. But just to be clear, there isn't the money that's be actually being put into to the fund like was promised in August. Uh, we're setting aside $5.8 billion in cash for future decisions around savings or debt reduction or uh, even infrastructure investment uh, going forward. Uh, thanks. We'll take the next question. Rick Bell, Calgary Sun. Good afternoon, Minister. Um, I was talking to the affordability minister yesterday, so I'd just like to clarify because I'm still very unclear, and you'll be the guy with the answer. Um, is there going to be, in the, in the near term, meaning in, in the next few months, is there going to be another package on top of the $2.8 billion package that you've already given. We're talking about a package that might go to the people who didn't get any money this time directly, you know, like, uh, you know, single people of modest income, et cetera, et cetera. So is there going to be in the short slash immediate term, maybe in the next few months, another package on top of this package? Or is this the package... <clears throat> for at least the immediate term. Yeah, Rick, this is a very substantial package, and it's not the first affordability relief that we've provided Albertans as a government. Of course, as you know, we suspended fuel taxes um, you know, early in 2022. We provided previously electricity rebates. We provided significant affordability relief. And every Albertan is going to benefit uh, from, from these measures, and, and particularly from the electricity rebate provisions, but also from the fuel tax suspension. That, that really matters. That's $1.3 billion of additional relief, relief on an annualized basis if, if, of course, it's in place all year. And we've committed to um, ensure that the fuel tax will be uh, completely suspended between January 1st and June 30th, with the triggers kicking back in in the future but the fuel tax suspension program made permanent. So the answer is, this is a very substantial package. I mean, obviously, the budget 2023, there'll be considerations around that budget, and I won't presuppose all the decisions. This is a very substantial package, and every Albertan will benefit from this package. And the other one, which I don't think is actually a direct cost to government, but would be a change of government policy and would affect some people's bottom line, and that is the cap on... Well, there isn't one, but restoring the cap on insurance 
premium hikes. Is that on or off? Because that could be seen by some people yeah. as an affordability measure. Yeah, there, there's, you know, over the last decade, there's been real pressure on particularly automobile insurance premiums, but insurance, quite frankly, across the board. As you know, um, I, I brought forward Bill 41, uh, which made fundamental reforms to the definition of a minor injury, provided clarity around a minor injury, and also in, increased assistance for those that were injured in a motor vehicle accident. Our actuaries advised us that that measure would reduce the cost of insurance premiums on average by $120 per vehicle per year. And based on the insurance premium data I've seen, we've seen automobile insurance premiums really flatten since Bill 41 was implemented. We wanted to deal with the systemic issues that were driving up the cost of uh, insurance on automobiles because to simply put a rate cap on it is to stick a Band-Aid on it. And you leave a rate cap in place for any length of time, pretty soon insurers start pulling back options, premiums, and products that they're offered uh, to consumers. We were starting to see that already in 2019. That's why we worked to deal with the systemic issues that were pushing up the cost of insurance. Thank you. That's Thanks, Rick. Hey, uh, Minister Tafes, um, as you often say, as every finance minister says, budgets involve choices. It's a choice in a budget to take $1.7 billion of heritage savings deposit off the books, as this fiscal update did from the quarter, the Q1 update, which you were not involved with, and I appreciate Premier Smith was not involved with. But could you explain to me the decision-making involved to choose to take that off the books and add short-term affordability measures as well as keeping the plan currently for debt savings intact while keeping this $5.8 billion of play money? I don't know. So, so that hasn't been a decision that's been taken. The affordability relief measures come out of our current surplus and did not implicate any decisions around Heritage Savings Trust Fund or, or our debt retirement plans, not, not at all. Now, again, we've got $5.8 billion that we're carrying forward, and I'm going to be very pleased to report on uh, a fiscal framework that will govern the use of surpluses in the future. The Heritage Savings Trust Fund will be part of that consideration. Debt retirement will be part of it, as well as perhaps other infrastructure priorities across the country. That will all be part of it. But that trade-off uh, did not happen here in this mid-year fiscal update. It, it simply did not. One thing I want to point out as well, you know, our government is the first government that's now reinvesting the entire earnings of the Heritage Savings Trust Fund back in the trust fund. It's material. In fact, I asked the department for this uh, the other day, for this data point. Had the, all of the investment income been left in the Heritage Savings Trust Fund from its inception, no additional contributions made, but no withdrawals, Friends, we would have over $270 billion in that Heritage Savings Trust Fund at the end of 2019, likely crowding close to $300 billion today. It's a very material decision to leave the earnings of that trust fund in the trust fund. Once again, you specific, be specific, please. You took $1.7 billion off the books to be deposited into the Heritage Savings Trust Fund. Why? We, we, we simply did not do that. We've set, we've set aside... Sir, sir, the books remove... The, the Q2 update removes the reference from Q1 to do so, and Alberta Finance has confirmed that. We, we've set aside $5.8 in savings. There'll be decisions taken 
uh, based on our decisions around our, our fiscal framework going forward, around allocation of future surpluses with respect to the Heritage Savings Trust Fund, with respect to debt retirement and perhaps other infrastructure priorities. So no, we've not taken that off the books. We've deferred that decision to fit into our plan around the fiscal framework going forward. Thanks, we'll take the next question. We'll do two more questions here, then we'll go to the phones. Um, just a reminder to say your name and outlet when you introduce yourself. Hey, Tim Brook with CTV. Um, I just want to talk a little bit about government spending. Obviously, it's a I guess a priority of this government to lower expenses. Uh, expenses will be lowered into the next year. Can you just explain uh, why that is? I think it's uh, about a $670 million difference, uh, why those expenses are going down, and long-term, uh, what kind of numbers the government would like to see as far as spending is concerned? Uh, <clears throat> great question. We will have certainly a lot more to say about our uh, future fiscal plan and budget 2023 as we really consider priorities going forward, priorities of the government going forward. We inherited a government that was really uh, living beyond its means in 2019. Our, our spending was, um, very, it was significantly higher than compared to provinces. Uh, in fact, um, it was so high it created a structural deficit um, that ultimately would mean that future generations would not uh, benefit from the services and programs that we do today. And so our government made, government made a conscious effort to thoughtfully and carefully, surgically, if you will, um, flatten our operating expense line. We didn't reduce it, but flatten it. And we did that for three years to bring our costs roughly on a per capita basis in line with other provinces. And we made great fiscal headway in those first three years. By the end of this fiscal year, 22-23, we will have largely brought our cost per capita of delivering government services in line with the average of BC, Quebec, and Ontario. And that's important for long-term sustainability. That gives future governments the opportunity to adjust spending for population growth, perhaps inflation pressures. That's important because right now Alberta is in a growth stage again. And that's an exciting place to be. We know there'll be additional pressures, whether it's in healthcare, and we know there's significant challenges in healthcare uh, today. Uh, we know that there'll be additional pressure on our infrastructure. And the beauty about doing the heavy lifting fiscally is now we have some options and choices. Yeah, I just, I just kind of want to backtrack a little bit. Uh, so, you know, we're spending a certain amount right now in expenses. Next year, the plan is to, again, cut that, that number by about uh, $670 million. I know a lot of that is, is uh, to deal with um, crude by rail. I know a lot of that is COVID-19 expenses. But can you just explain exactly why, why those cuts were made and if there will, will be room uh, to, I guess, rejig that spending if, uh, yeah. let's say, the pandemic flares up. Yeah, so, so in budget 2022 in health care, we committed to increased, uh, increase health's budget by $600 million per year, right through the fiscal plan. That, that increase uh, is reflected in this fiscal plan. And in fact, we've increased health spending to reflect our, our new agreement with physicians and the new collective bargaining agreements uh, with our frontline health care workers. Those, those changes are reflected in this budget. Of course, we would anticipate that COVID costs will be coming down into the future. We had, um, again, some additional provision uh, this year in a contingency around affordability that we actually put in place in budget um, 2022. 
And while we've now added an additional provision for the current announcement, again, over time, we expect some of those pressures to ease off. But, but I'll go back to my previous statement. The beauty about doing the heavy fiscal lifting is it allows future governments to effectively deal with inflation pressures and population growth and increase spending responsibly to ensure that Albertans are getting great services. Awesome, thanks. Um, why wasn't there anything announced for students or low-income adults uh, who are childless or uh, who aren't over 65 in what you announced to fight inflation? Sure. Well, uh, well with, the, um, with the affordability measures, uh, a targeted approach was taken. Now, again, I'll go back to a previous comment. Every Albertan will benefit uh, very significantly from the fuel tax suspension program and from the electricity rebates. Every, you know, every Albertan who pays an electricity bill is going to benefit. Every Albertan who uh, puts you know, gas in a vehicle or diesel in a truck is going to benefit from those measures, and it's, sig it's significant assistance. Uh, beyond that, of course, the assistance has been targeted, targeted to those that are most vulnerable. Uh, look, I'm, I'm a parent. We don't have kids at home, so, of course, we won't qualify for any of this programming, but I recall how expensive it was to raise a family when we did have children at home. And I, there was, you know, some recognition of assisting families with children at home during this time of an affordability squeeze. There was also a recognition that so many seniors live on a fixed income right now. And, uh, and so that's why, again, seniors were, were targeted and also those that are the most vulnerable in our society. This affordability uh, measure rollout has both broad-based support in really with electricity rebates and especially with the fuel tax suspension, which is very material. And it has some very specific tar targeted supports for those in our you know, society, in our neighborhoods, communities, who've been most affected. Awesome. We're just going to switch to the phones because we have a number of people waiting. Uh, operator, can you put in the first question? Thank you. Catherine Grakowski, Alberta Today. Hey, thanks for taking my question, Minister. And it was along the lines of the affordability program as well. So you, let's say you have a couple with two kids making $170,000. They're going to get that $1,200 rebate, while a single person making 30000 gets nothing. They might not get the electricity rebate because they are in a sub-metered building. They might not drive. So can you walk me through the understanding of why why not go with the lower income first? You know, I'm, I'm sure we can all find a specific example of perhaps somebody, if they don't pay utility bill or, or don't um, put uh, gas in a car, uh, where, where there'll be a very, very small number of Albertans that, um, you know, may not benefit directly, but the reality is the vast, vast majority of all Albertans are going to benefit from these affordable affordability measures. And... Um, Again, a part of our approach was broad-based so that uh, all Albertans would uh, benefit from tax relief and all Albertans would benefit from some support on their electricity bills when we see electricity really going through the roof. But the other measures were targeted. And again, there was a recognition that uh, raising children isn't cheap. And, uh, you know, even you know, middle-income families, uh, there's been a lot of pressure on those families right now and many families have been, you know, really making decisions around, you know, buying nutritious uh, food, groceries, and maybe putting their child in one extracurricular event. And we know that even from a mental health standpoint, having the ability to, to make some choices 
is so beneficial. And so that's why we've taken a, a targeted approach to support families with children at home, to support seniors, many of whom are on a fixed income, and to support the most vulnerable amongst us. Now, again, broadly, really, uh, all Albertans will benefit uh, from the other measures. Catherine, did you have a follow-up? Yeah, so with the reindexation of age benefits and that $600 worth of payments over six months, by my back the napkin math, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that's still not um, adding up to the amount that they would have otherwise had had their benefits be, been indexed this entire time. So can you walk me through why that is, why they're not getting all the money that would have been, they would have had had you not de-indexed AISH payments? Well, what I can tell you is that by re-indexing AISH effective January 1st, 2023, Alberta will, have, will provide by far and away the most support to our severely handicapped of any province uh, across the country. And that's important to Albertans. That's important to our government. On top of that, we're going to be providing, you know, an additional $100 a month for six months, recognizing we're in a time of real affordability challenge. So it, it's important to Albertans. It's important to this government to ensure that we are supporting the, the least of those amongst us, which, you know what, quite frankly, could be any one of us, for, you know, at, at any point in our lives that we're providing uh, more support than any other province. I know that's important to Albertans. That's important to our, our, our government as well. Operator, can you put in the next caller? Chris Epp, CTV. Thank you. Uh, Minister, you, you referenced the Premier's comments Tuesday several times. In that speech, she also said that she's made mistakes and is trying to learn from them. What mistakes do you think she was referring to? Oh, you'll have to, uh, you'll have to uh, you know, inquire with the Premier around that. Uh, right now, the Premier's announced a very significant affordability package at a time when uh, affordability is a big challenge for so many Albertans. And again, I was pleased to see her make that announcement. I believe it's been well received. Uh, just as a follow, I mean, we have asked, tried to ask her that, and several times throughout this, since she's taken off, it's been tough to get questions into the Premier. I mean, do you think that's fair? Do you think you should be having to deal with these questions? Well, look, I'm, I'm here to talk about the fiscal update. This is a great fiscal update for Albertans, and, uh, and I'm really pleased to take your questions on it. Operator, can you please put in the next caller? Audrey Niveau, Radio Canada. Hi, thanks for taking my question. Uh, Mr. Shades, you talk about a fiscal framework. Can you explain what it will determine exactly, and if it needs to be legislated to become active? Uh, that's a great question. You know, a fiscal framework, certainly, I think we would expect to have some legislative components to it. And, uh, and firstly, I want to say this. It's great to get to the point, as Albertans, we've together got to the point where we're now reporting surpluses and reporting them sustainably through the fiscal plan. That gives us an opportunity to have a discussion around how do we man what do we do with future surpluses. And uh, so, you know, again, a fiscal framework could dictate a, an amount paid to debt retirement as debt matures. I, uh, you know that that's a high priority for me because uh, the cost of capital of um, most of the debt that we currently have is quite low. And with interest rates going up, the cost of debt going up, if we have to go back to capital markets to borrow, to repay debt as it matures, we might be, it might cost us twice the interest rate or twice the debt service cost. And uh, perhaps for some of you uh, listeners who've gone through or will take a look at this fiscal plan, you'll see that 
we're projecting our debt service costs to actually decline. That's good news for Albertans. That means that what we would have otherwise paid in debt service costs, now we can consider for future program support. So that's important. So again, back to your question, one piece of it will be to consider maybe a percentage, maybe a fixed absolute amount relative to the debt that's maturing uh, will determine how we're going to approach debt repayment. The other, uh, the other consideration would be how we're going to approach savings, particularly investment into the Heritage Savings Trust Fund. Again, you know my view on the importance of leaving the investment earnings in that Heritage Savings Trust Fund. The fact that had we done that from day one, we would have had $270 billion in that fund by 2019. That's compelling. So as your investment advisor would probably tell you, he'd say there's no time like the present to start. And I really believe that Albertans, we need to, need to start to reinvest all of those earnings in the Heritage Savings Trust Fund. That'll be another a question that we will contemplate in, in developing this uh, fiscal framework. And of course, there'll be other considerations around you know, you know, infrastructure investment based on demand. We're likely heading into some years where Alberta's economy, relative to the rest of Canada's, is going to be very strong. Uh, we're already seeing net immigration from the rest of the nation at rates we've not seen since 2014. And so we need to be mindful that that will put pressure on infrastructure and we'll want to be proactive. The other thing I want to add, uh, as we consider a fiscal framework, we'll be giving consideration to, you know, how do we, um, how do we identify fiscal anchors going forward? I think uh, m many of you know that during the kind of darkest days fiscally, uh, during the energy price collapse, during the pandemic, during the global uh, recession, we identified three fiscal anchors that informed our fiscal decisions during that time. They served us well. One of those fiscal anchors was to, again, broadly align our per capita spending on delivering government programs with that of other provinces. Those are the kinds of considerations that we're going to be making. Another uh, consideration would be this. You know, historically had provincial governments in Alberta limited spending to population growth and inflation, we would have never have been in the tough fiscal position that we found ourselves in when our government took office in 2019. So these will be some of the considerations uh, as, we, as, as we look to develop a fiscal framework to uh, guide decisions going forward. Audrey, did you have a follow-up? Yes. Um, what's the timeline to develop this fiscal framework? And can we interpret that as kind of a revenue review panel, kind of like the one you did for uh, the expenses under uh, Premier Kenny? Well, a revenue review panel will be a different exercise, an important exercise, I might add, uh, in the future. But in terms of this uh, fiscal framework, uh, you can expect uh, far more details in Budget 2023, which is coming up quickly. Some operator, can you put in the next caller? Thank you. Emma Greeny, Globe and Mail. Yeah, g'day, Minister. Thanks for taking my question here. I just want to swing back to the Heritage Trust Fund. We've got record oil and gas royalties, and those resources belong to Albertans. But you're deferring the decision on the fund deposit and say it could be used for debt repayments, infrastructure priorities, whatever. Are you all just done with the idea of saving our earnings from non-renewable resources now? Like, why will you not commit to following through on what your government promised in August and say that you'll pull the full... $2.9 billion into the Heritage Trust Fund. Well, well again, uh, we are categorically reinvesting all of the earnings from the Heritage Savings Trust Fund back in that trust fund. We're setting aside $5.8 into savings 
uh, to, for further decision relative to our deliberations on a fiscal framework going, going forward. We believe that's uh, a very responsible approach, uh, given the fact that we would like to do the work as there are trade-offs. And yes, the Heritage Savings Trust Fund is a trust fund for all Albertans, and I know there's great affection for that trust fund. I'm a lifelong Albertan. I feel a great affection for the trust fund. But the other, you know, the other piece that is owned fully by Albertans is the debt that, that uh, the provincial government has. And so every time we pay down the debt, we're paying it down on behalf of all Albertans. So those are the trade-offs that we'll consider. Again, we're, I'm just very pleased that we can be at a point where we can be discussing you know, the, the tension between additional savings and additional debt reduction. Emma, did you have a follow-up to that? I sure do. Um, with all due respect, Minister, I mean, you're talking out of both sides of your mouth here. First of all, you're saying, and I quote, we must use the surplus wisely to benefit Albertans both today and into the future. Yet you keep saying you're deferring this decision. Explain to Albertans why this isn't your government just using record oil and gas royalties, which again belong to all of us, to buy the oats in a few months in the election. Well, well again, um, Emma... I'm committing, we're committing to put $5.8 billion into savings right now. Uh, it's into savings. It's, uh, it's Albertans and remains Albertans. Again, with future decisions taken around allocation of those savings to fit in with our federal, or pardon me, with our, our fiscal framework decisions. Uh, so, uh, no, nothing has changed there other than that we're going to uh, develop a fiscal framework that will uh, guide our decisions around the use of surplus. I'll look forward to the input of all Albertans as, uh, as we look to build that framework going forward. I'm sure Albertans will have much to say about uh, what they would like to see. Jason. Hi, good to see you again, uh, Minister. Um, we're in the business of reporting facts. You're in the business of stating uh, in stating finances correctly, the Premier's office told the media and we told the public that this was a $2.4 billion package. Yeah. We now see that it's a $2.8 billion package. I don't know if this is a what's $400 million among friends uh, situation, but <laughs> what happened between yesterday's $2.4 billion and your $2.8 billion? Sure. That's a, that's a great question, Jason. Not, nothing's changed. We, we report, uh, this, this mid-year report shows our three fiscal years. And so the $2.4 billion effectively picks up the current fiscal year and the next fiscal year. We're adding a fiscal year. So it's just it's some additional indexing related to uh, the, the, some of the social programs that will receive indexing effective January 1st. That's the difference. It, nothing changes in the announcement. And lastly, if you can help us, because I think people widely understand affordability to be a universal issue, and I don't know if you uh, disagree with that. Um, was there discussion on whether or not to make the $600 payments universal rather than just give it to specific groups? Well, well again, Minister Matt Jones did a great job of, of leading the effort around this affordability package. Uh, there was a recognition that uh, a targeted uh, part of the approach being targeted would ensure that those Albertans that were really feeling the pressure uh, would would, really, would would benefit significantly. And again, that's why part of the programming was targeted with families, with seniors, with our most vulnerable. And part of the approach was broad with tax relief to all Albertans who drive a vehicle or who pay an electricity bill. So again, uh, both 
uh, points were considered. Uh, you know, a, a couple of other things. We, uh, we also know there's a tension between government spending and inflation pressure. And so uh, I believe that a targeted approach uh, mitigates this kind of programming from exacerbating inflation, which is really driving a lot of the challenge. And so that was also a consideration as we considered whether it would be targeted or whether it would be broad-based uh, like Saskatchewan's measure. But again, we're providing very significant relief at the fuel pumps every day and, and significant relief through electricity bills. Hi, thanks. We'll take one last question from the room, and then we'll go back to the phones for three more. Kelly Kreiderman, Globe and Mail. I'm just wondering about on the universality question for seniors. Do you see that the payments, the $600 payments, will apply, will be given to almost every senior in the province despite, I believe, there being a income and annual income cutoff for that? Will, will almost every senior in the province get that? Well, the, the majority of seniors will, will receive that support. Again, there will be more details to come on the individual aspects of this programming, and this will be income tested. So not all seniors uh, will receive the benefit. Our highest income seniors uh, will not be eligible. Okay. And given, given that there is um, th- these affordability announcements this week, do you foresee this causing any difficulties with the Alberta government in negotiations with the federal government regarding health care? Because, of course, um, there is a big ask from all the provinces on health care, and the federal government has pushed back against some provinces who are offering tax breaks, for instance, saying they don't know what will be made of the money. Do you expect that this will complicate your negotiations with the federal government at all? I, I don't expect it will complicate those negotiations. The, you know, the, the ask is, uh, is made by every um, you know, provincial and territorial uh, leader. And uh, you know, I, th- I think it's, it's a well-documented ask. I, I don't believe the fact that we're providing some affordability relief will impact uh, the decision. Operator, can you put the next question on the line? Thank you. Jeremy Thompson, CTV. Hi, Minister. Uh, just uh, a lot of discussion in Edmonton recently about uh, the homelessness file. And uh, City Council here, uh, of course, is pushing for more help on that file from your government. Um, you mentioned it at the top of this uh, press conference that, uh, you know, tough times are ahead, but your government is not leaving anyone behind. I, I imagine some folks in that sector might dispute that. Um, the Premier's mandate letter uh, directs municipal affairs to, uh, quote, engage with cities to ensure the province is paying its uh, appropriate share on that file. Of course, we're aware of the, of the dedicated money back in October, um, but... Uh, you know, does your government, I guess, the, the, the city is, is looking at spending $7.5 million to stand up uh, an extra 200 beds this winter. They're saying that money should be coming from the province. Um, does your government have any plans to spend any more money on addressing uh, the dire homelessness situation in Edmonton? Yeah, yeah it's a, a great question. And, um, you know, I, I think so many Albertans are grieved when we see the challenges of homelessness, especially as we head into winter. And and that's one reason why uh, there's been additional consideration. You know, $340 million um, has been added to health's budget. There's a component in there, and I think you alluded to the programming uh, that was announced in October, a component for homelessness. We're, uh, look, we're also heading into a budget process. In fact, we're right in the middle of that uh, process right now. And we'll be announcing, uh, presenting a budget in, in February of next year, which is only, a, you know, a few months away, a couple of months away. 
And so that will give uh, certainly our government an opportunity to work with municipal leaders and nonprofits and those that work in this space to understand what more is needed to ensure that we're dealing with this program or this problem, probably, uh, pardon me, adequately. Jeremy, do you have a follow up? Yeah, so just, you know, the. <laughs> I guess the city would would say that you know they know what is needed to to fund the program appropriately, and it's seven and a half million dollars. Of course, that they're sort of using that money to meet the city's own policy around minimum shelter standards. And I understand, you know, their their cost per bed for six months is a you know more than triple what the province typically pays for a shelter space at you know somewhere like Hope Mission. I guess is that. Is that sort of a sticking point that just, you know, you believe the city is kind of overestimating how much how much it'll cost to stand up a shelter like this? Well, we always have to be very aware of ensuring that we're delivering most efficiently on behalf of all Albertans and ensuring that program spending that is allotted uh, is able to uh, do the most, um, again, for those that we're attempting to target. And so I'll certainly defer to the relevant ministry, but, you know, the good news is Budget 23 is coming right up. We're already in deliberation, so this is a great opportunity to understand what more needs to be done and if, in fact, we've, we've got the program in front of us where we can ensure maximum efficiency and where the dollars will have the most positive effect. And we have time for two last questions. Operator, can you put in the next caller? Chris Varco, Calgary Herald. Uh, yes, Minister. Uh, and I ask you about the, the questions about the global recession. What kind of impact do you see that having on the provincial economy and the government finances? And what is the risk, in your opinion, of Alberta going into a recession in 2023? Yeah, g- great question, uh, Chris. You know, in, in terms of a global recession, obviously it would depend... If we did go into recession, it would depend how deep and how long, but it's going to have a bearing on energy prices, no doubt. Uh, we're, we're projecting inter, uh, WTI prices, West Texas Intermediate prices, to decline to 78.50 next fiscal year and 73.50 in the out year. We're, we're well below the private sector forecast right now. That's where we want to be because, uh, again, there's significant volatility. But uh, if there was a deep, uh, long recession no doubt it would uh, impact energy prices. There, look, right now we've got you know, a war in Europe. Uh, we have um, inflation pressures, which are driving central bankers to push up interest rates. There, we're in a time of great volatility, and I believe we need to focus on what we can manage. You know, I've said this over the last four years. We need to ensure that we're delivering government programs most efficiently. That's, uh, it's, again, just another reminder why, why we can never take our eye off the ball because we live in a world of volatility. I do believe that Alberta is going to fare very well relative to the rest of the nation with respect to, you know, a downturn in the economy. I think many economists are predicting that Canada will experience a couple of quarters of uh, economic contraction in 2023. Uh, we're certainly not predicting that for Alberta. Our energy industry is getting its legs under it. 
But we're seeing investment just across the board, the tech sector, aerospace, certainly petrochemical manufacture, agri-food agri processing, uh, financial services are, are just growing exponentially. And we continue to have you know, an affordability advantage in Alberta. As tough as it is right now in Alberta, it's still, we have a real affordability advantage compared to so many parts of the country. Well, you know, our housing starts in Alberta are still strong. We're not seeing the, the really negative effect on housing prices that we see in other parts of the country, and we're seeing net in-migration of Canadians coming back to Alberta. So I really do believe that Alberta's economy will fare very well relative to the rest of the nation, uh, but there's no doubt uh, if we see a, a deep, long global recession, it will impact energy prices. And we're, we're uh, actually lowering our projection for real GDP growth, even for the current year we're in, from 5.4% in budget 2022 to 4.8% in this update. Chris, did you have a follow-up? Yeah, uh, Minister, you mentioned early in the news conference that you're expecting $28 billion in resource revenues this year alone. Um, and obviously we've got a surplus of about $12.7 billion. So how are we getting off the royalty roller coaster when we're, I guess, relying so heavily on record resource revenues to get us uh, into a surplus situation? Well, you raise a good point. We have, uh, Chris, you know well, we have a very volatile revenue structure here in the province of Alberta. And uh, right now, um, we're, you know, it, it's rewarding us. We've got high energy prices, and it's rewarding us with a very significant resource uh, royalty revenue. We've had a number of projects in the oil sands, as you knew, know, move from pre-payout to post-payout. That changes the royalty structure. Uh, and, again, that means um, a, a much more significant take on royalty income for Albertans as, uh, as they benefit from, from their resource. And that will change. That will um, really push up the expectation around royalty revenues going forward into the future, short of a really significant crash in energy prices, which, once again, would, would, uh, would have a detrimental impact. So, yes, we do have a high reliance on uh, royalty income today. It's correct. But at the same time, as we've worked hard as a government and, I, you know, as Albertans have stepped in to see opportunity and invested and grown the economy, we're seeing our economy diversify at rates I don't think I've seen in my lifetime. And, Chris, that's good news um, in the intermediate and long term for a more diverse revenue base in this province. That's reflected in part by our corporate Income tax revenues uh, projected, we're projecting to collect $2.2 billion more than we projected in budget 2022. That, in part, is a reflection of a diversifying economy. And that diversifying economy is going to be critical to long-term revenue stability for the province of Alberta. Awesome. We have time for one more. Operator, can you put in the last caller? Thank you, Michelle Belfontaine, CBC. Oh, hi there, Minister. Thanks for taking my question. I want to also ask you about the cash payments um, that are going to seniors and people on social programs like AISH. And you said earlier that you know you want it to that, that, that uh, you and your colleagues want it to have the cash payments go to the people who are the most vulnerable and those who are really feeling the pressure of inflation. And I'm wondering, are you saying that someone who works full time on minimum wage makes thirty one thousand dollars a year, or who is working a couple of part time jobs to piece together an income? Is not vulnerable to inflation. I wonder if you could explain that, Albert. Yeah, I'm. I'm not suggesting that at all, and and that's one reason why 
Again, we've taken um, a broad approach with uh, utility rebates, ut utility rebates that show up on every Albertan's uh, utility bill if they pay an electricity bill. That's why we've suspended the fuel tax. That's why we're going to make that fuel tax suspension permanent, um, ensuring that there's going to be no fuel tax paid by any Albertan between January and June 30th of 2023, and then making that program permanent to where every time uh, energy oil prices rise, the fuel tax starts to come off and is suspended. Again, Albertans can benefit from an owned resource. So, no, uh, every Albertan is going to benefit right now from the, these affordability measures. And again, there's some additional targeted pieces to support families with children at home, knowing that there's extra pressure, cost pressure on those families and seniors, many of whom are on a fixed income and especially are most vulnerable. So, Michelle, did you have a follow-up? Yeah, but I mean, I mean, Minister, you're saying that, you know, there's other affordability measures. Well, the people who are getting the cash payments are also going to benefit from these affordability measures. And I think it comes down to an appearance of fairness, Minister. Because you're saying that, say, someone who, is, who has a family income of $180,000 with one kid um, is going to get a cash benefit, but someone making $31,000 a year is not. So, again, I'm just wondering, does that not, not strike you as a bit of a discrepancy and maybe doesn't look unfair or doesn't look fair, I should say? Well, well again, Michelle, uh, we're with this affordability package, we're providing uh, broad-based relief to all Albertans and, again, targeting families with children who are feeling extra pressure um, these days. We're also targeting seniors and our most vulnerable. I'm not soft-coating. The, effect, the challenges that affordability is creating on all Alberta households right now, it's, it's real. That's why, again, we're taking a very broad-based approach. That's also why we've worked hard to position Alberta's economy to, uh, you know, to lead the nation in growth. Uh, right now, and I believe I mentioned this in my opening remarks, but while Alberta is only 12%, uh, has 12% of the, of the nation's uh, people, uh, we've, in this province, created 25% of the total jobs created in the nation. That means that Albertans who are looking for a job or looking for a better job, there's never been a better time for that. That's also part of the equation as we deal with affordability. But look, we've taken a broad-based approach where every Albertan can benefit, and we've made some targeted um, choices to, again, to assist those Albertans who are most vulnerable, our seniors on fixed incomes, and our families raising children at home. Awesome. Thank you. That's all we have time for today. Um, if we didn't get to you or if you have any additional questions, my contact information is at the bottom of the news release. Thank you.